Hey there, this is Float On. This podcast gives you guidance and insight in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. Can't go back, you can only learn and move forward. I'm your host, Dahlia Jean. Let's do this thing. So hey there. This episode is super, super special to me, guys. I am dedicating this episode, my third episode, to my grandfather. The number three was my birthday. My birthday is October 3rd, and his was April 3rd. So this third episode is dedicated to him for many, many reasons. But the main one that we're going to talk about today is just being a life learner, right? Like what is that, what does that really mean? And like, what, are, what goes into that in this day and age? Uh, and gaining knowledge is really just a mindset away. So I'm going to talk a little bit about him and my relationship with him, what he taught me as far as a learner. And then we're going to kind of dive into some different places where you can get knowledge and learn. We're going to talk about where does that come from, that inner drive to, to learn and like finding that motivation to do it um, and then how it, learning independently actually happens. So this is going to be a really good episode and I'm, I'm excited about it. This is a huge part of my life and it's a huge part of this podcast and why I'm doing this is to kind of teach you all how, how to be a lifelong learner in your everyday life. You know, it doesn't have to be a big push. It doesn't take a lot of effort. It's just sort of a, a way to set your mind or have a mindset where you're going to make small adjustments towards learning. It's kind of in the back of your head all the time. So that's where we're going to go today with this episode. And like I said, I'm super excited. I wish he could be here to hear this episode. He passed away in 2012. Both my grandparents did, and they were very, very important to me. But I know that he's smiling down on me as I talk about learning and being a lifelong learner. So I'm just going to dive in here uh, and talk about my grandpa. So my grandpa's name was Robert, Robert Eugene. And he was sort of an old school guy. He's Italian. His parents came over from Italy and we were very close. I feel lucky to have had so much time with him. My mom, being a single mom, she worked a lot and she worked all different hours and different shifts. She worked for the Ohio Turnpike and we were all lucky that my grandparents were so involved in, you know, sort of watching over my brother and I. And I really took towards spending that time with them and looked to them for a lot. And in those years as a, as a child, um, I look back on that time and really all the stuff that my grandpa taught me and my grandma too. She really spent a lot of time teaching me things, how to fix things. She was always really handy with stuff. And so I kind of learned from her like, hey, it doesn't matter if you're a girl, you can still use the tools and you can still fix things. But my grandpa really put took me under his wing and he was always sort of just bringing me along with whatever he was doing and saying, here you go, here, you know, take the shovel and dig a hole. We're going to plant this thing, whatever, this bush or whatever. Uh, we planted, I bought, I want a tree. This is, this is a good story I should add in here. I want a tree, a little baby pine tree in second grade in a coloring contest. 
and I won the coloring contest. It was down to me and this other girl. And I won because I put sunglasses on my son. And so I had the creative edge over the girl who did not put sunglasses on her son. (laughs) And I loved that tree. I took that tree home and my mom suggested that I take it to my grandparents' house and my grandpa took me outside with him and we planted that thing. We had so much fun planting that little tree and watching it grow and it was alive for many, many years. Even after my grandparents passed away, I would drive by their old house and visit my tree. And just a few years ago, I drove by one day and it was cut down. It it was the most beautiful pine tree. It was so full. And my grandpa would always talk about how many birds love to live in it because it was such a plush pine tree. It was beautiful. And I'll never forget that day. I pulled up and and the tree was gone. There was just a stump. And I, I had to park my car and like cry it out. It was really horrible. I saw that tree as a symbol of my childhood and it was a symbol of my creative identity. You know, that was sort of the first thing I ever accomplished or won by being creative. And it was also this thing that my grandpa and I did together and then we watched it grow together. So that was a really strange moment for me, just realizing that that thing was all gone. And I almost knocked on their door and asked for a piece or something. Can I just have a piece of that tree trunk? I don't know. Who knows if they saved it? But in any case, he would teach me so much stuff and he was always making me do certain things. Like I remember he would read the newspaper and I'll talk about this later on in the episode, but he would read the newspaper and he'd make me cut articles out. And this was when I was really young. He would give me the scissors and he would tell me like, okay, cut a perfectly straight line. If you guys read the newspapers, you know what I mean. The margins are quite small between the columns. And he would show me how to get it just perfect and how to cut nice and straight and have a nice smooth edge. And he would have me clip out articles in the newspaper. But he would teach me how to do all kinds of stuff. And we he would take me people watching. We would go to the mall. There was a mall nearby and he would buy me an ice cream cone. We would sit on the bench and just hang out and watch the people walk by and he would point out little things like, you know, the mom holding the little boy's hand and or like if there was a parent scolding a child or a couple walking by that didn't look so happy together. Like we would talk about interpersonal relationships by watching these people walk by and it was really interesting. We would sit there for hours sometimes and just watch people not really like making fun of anyone just sort of you know taking in human nature and just discussing it and it was really really fun it was one of my favorite things that we would do and he taught me you know like I said about yard work he would oh my gosh we spent so much time playing football he would teach me you know how to do the dishes efficiently and he taught me how to drive when I was way younger than I should be learning how to drive. That's another crazy story. But basically, I learned how to drive when I was 11. And I'm not just saying like, oh, I drove once. No, I was driving every day beginning when I was 11. So we'll leave the details out. Those of you who know me best have heard this story. And it's it's actually kind of funny. But he did teach me a lot. One thing he would always tell me is anything and everything and everyone has something to teach you. And it's really just about deciding what that is. What are you pulling out of that thing or that moment, that experience or this person that you're talking to or whatever? And that was something he would remind me of often. He would talk to just about anybody. 
you know, we would go, he would take us out to eat almost every week, like every Friday or something we'd go out to eat, which was, you know, I feel so fortunate that I had that in my life as a kid. It was something that we looked forward to and it was just a fun thing that we did together. And he would always talk to, you know, the waitresses or, um, you know, the managers or anyone, any passersby, any, anywhere he was, he was, he was chatting it up, talking about whatever. And he would always tell me like, you never know who you're going to meet and you never know what they have to offer or what you have to offer them. He would say this to me all the time. As a kid, you soak it in on your level, but it doesn't really like apply because like how many strangers are you going to talk to as a kid, you know? But as an adult, it's really something that I keep with me all the time. And if you know me, you know this, like I will take the time to talk to just about anybody Uh, obviously corona era we've got to social distance and sort of mind our business but in normal times I'm a pretty friendly gal I'll tell you that much he also taught me that if you want something you gotta do some work to get it that nothing comes easy you know he worked hard he was an iron worker for many years and then he was the head of the iron workers and he he worked hard to get where he was and Every day he worked out and he did his exercises and he always told me that, you know, if you want something, you've got to work for it. There's just no way around it. There's no shortcuts. You just got to do the work. And that's another thing that I've maintained as far as my own life. I feel like obviously there's the whole work smart, not hard type approach which I have respect for and I think that that applies but nine times out of ten it's about committing and then doing the work putting putting in the work and just saying I'm gonna do this he would say it's not always gonna be easy you gotta make progress and then it'll be worth it in the end you know you'll look back and say look look at what I did and he would read the newspaper like I mentioned earlier the newspaper he would read it from front to back you guys every day the whole plane dealer in Cleveland it was the, it's the big newspaper in Cleveland and he would say oh well I read it every day you know sometimes there's more stuff in it than others but if I learn one thing new from all the stuff that I read a day that's 365 things I didn't know before and I would sit on his lap he would read the newspaper in the mornings and we would hang out Now, I'm not much of a newspaper reader or even a print reader. I do read on the internet. I do research often and we'll talk about how to research and how to learn. But the question is, well, if I do want to learn, where? How do I do that? And I think with this new day and age, even though it's sad, I think newspapers are great. I don't personally subscribe to one. I I don't get them in print form. And I just... I'm too busy. So my phone follows me around and I do a lot of reading on my phone. The internet, right? Filled with tons of stuff, including memes and funny animal videos. Also a personal favorite of mine. But the reality is, guys, there's actually endless knowledge on the internet as well. And it's all for free. And it's just about knowing where to find it and how to go about doing it. So we're going to kind of talk about that today. I call it YouTube University is a term that I throw out in my life often. 
And while it's not the only source of free knowledge, it is one of my favorites. I'm a visual learner, so I need to see things kind of fall into place with a complete example for full understanding in my mind to actually happen. Like I need to be like, oh, okay, here's the finished product. Wow, that's awesome. How did we get there? Let's back it up to the beginning and do it step by step and actually see it being done. So to me, videos are prime. Like that is my top notch way that I learn. And I want to kind of go through the process of like how I do that. So for example, I'm going to use my bathroom renovation as sort of a uh, vehicle for an example of learning for me. Okay. So I, Doug and I purchased our house. It's a hundred year old house. I decided the upstairs bathroom was especially gross. It had this wallpaper that was like damask velvet. If you don't know what damask is, look it up, but it's like a sort of a vertical pattern that's kind of like a, I don't know, even if it was like somewhere between like a flower and like paisley. It's just like this strange pattern and it was velvet, white velvet. And you could see like the bacteria just sitting on this wallpaper. It was so gross, you guys. So I knew right away that this bathroom had to go. The bathroom floor was like a light bamboo. What do they call that? It's not real wood. It's like a laminate or something. It was just, oh, I know what. I think it's called like Pergo. Maybe it's not Pergo. I don't know. But it was just this cheap wood floor bamboo and it was starting to get wavy and buckle. And I just knew it wasn't good. So I decided I'm going to re- redo a bathroom Important side note here, guys, I've never remodeled a bathroom before in my life, okay? So I have done tile work with my mom. She was into doing, you know, DIY projects and stuff, so I had helped her with tile, and so I at least had that bit of knowledge, but that was it. You know, there's a lot more that goes into a bathroom renovation than just tile. I immediately figured out that this bathroom renovation was going to be more than I had plan to bite off and chew because when I tore up the wood floor, I found a bunch of mold. It wasn't good, you guys. It was all over the subfloor, which is like a thin layer of wood that was underneath. But I was lucky. I was able to pull up the subfloor and, you know, having this 100-year-old house, there was solid wood floors underneath that were painted over. I don't even know how many times. And the beauty in that was that I was able to remediate the mold on the floor pretty easily by just using like bleach and mold remediation treatment and got it handled. There was some mold in the shower stall and things and I got it all handled. Okay, you don't need all the details, but I got it handled and I learned a lot. Did I have plans for that? No. Thankfully, we have two bathrooms in this house, so the project took a little bit longer than I had planned. But how did I actually learn how to remodel a bathroom? That's the question. Well, I started with just kind of Googling and researching and watching videos on general bathroom renovations. And then as I sort of realized exactly what I was going to need to do, I knew that I had to start honing in on some of the smaller subtopics. So I had to kind of start breaking it down like um, subway tile on the wall. Never did that before. Got to learn about that. The mold remediation. Never learned about that before. So I need to handle that. Tearing out a um, shower surround. I, we had a shower surround in there. Had to learn about that. And deciding what I was going to do with the cast iron tub that was in there. Had to learn about that. And removing a sub wall. So there was like this 
false ceiling sort of like hanging down from the original ceiling in the shower to kind of make the shower stall like shorter. I did not want that. I wanted it just to be one ceiling height. And so I had to watch some demos on that, like demoing. How do you do that? You know, how do you approach it? What tools do you need? All that stuff. It was a lot trying to figure out all this, removing the wallpaper and the tools that you need to cut tile, large tile. I decided on a 12 inch by 24 inch tile for the floor. Huge. Will I ever do that again? Probably not. It was really hard. Those things are heavy as heck. But it worked. I googled the topics and pulled those key terms and those key concepts. And then I started looking for what I call masters of their trade channels on YouTube. Now, this isn't like a coined term. Don't go searching masters of their trade on YouTube. You're not going to find anything. But what I mean is, let's say I'm looking up tile. So I go on YouTube and I look up laying tile in the bathroom and you see a lot of results. We'll click on a few videos that have a lot of views. Look for the ones that have the most views and then go to their channel and see how many videos they have. Do they have just one video? Is it just like a dad doing a project? Or is it like a tile guy, right? Like someone who actually specializes and works professionally in this industry. They are out there on YouTube giving you their knowledge for free all the time, okay? So I call them the masters of their trade. There are plumber guys. There's, you know, I'm talking about just about anything. Even my son, he's 12 and he watches car guys on YouTube. People who talk about cars and who are, you know, masters with that. And I think he does it because I do it. He sees me doing it. And I just think it's a really a good learning vehicle. So the next thing I do, if I come across any videos that are super valuable to me and I know they're really applicable, like, ooh, this is bingo. This is exactly what I need. This is, I need to remember this. Well, don't expect yourself to remember that video and go back and try and refine it. You can make playlists on your YouTube account. Okay, so if you have your YouTube, you log in as whatever, it's usually your email and you can make playlists. So I would make like a bathroom remodel playlist and a kitchen remodel playlist and DIY gardening playlist, whatever, any topic that you want to learn about, you can make a playlist for and then you can save your videos and organize them on these playlists. And it's super easy. Like you literally just go onto the sub menu and you can like add to playlist. And once you make little names for your playlist, they come right up and you can literally just click which one you want to put that one in. So it's super handy. And then I usually cross-reference. If I find a video and they give me some advice, I'll kind of take a look at what they did and see if I can find like another video and see if they're doing something similar. If you really trust the person and it's super applicable to you, obviously use it. But I just find it useful to kind of cross-reference and just make sure that I've got my bases covered so that when I'm dealing with my situation, whatever it is that I'm learning about, I know that I've got a couple resources there. And when I say cross-reference, it could just be another video on YouTube or you could go on Google and or rent a book or something and try to find something that, you know, has this similar information to see how things align. And then you just continue that cycle. So for my bathroom renovation, after I set the tile on the floor, it was about the plumbing for the vanity and the subway tile for the wall. And I just kind of built my way up from that. Doing the shower was the last part. So tiling the shower was the last thing. And I had to like figure out my plan. And 
you know, you think like, oh, well, it's fine. Just put tile up. Well, yeah, but like, what about the design of it? Like, don't you want things to align and be centered properly? Or like, you know, the row from where you started the shower versus the row where you end up at the ceiling, for example. Those were things that I wanted to make sure I had right. And I would, I didn't want to just dive in and hope for the best because once it's up, you're not taking it down get real, you know? So I wanted to make sure it was right. And you should do the same thing. Once you decide what you want to learn about, and I know I used my bathroom as an example, just because it was a big learning experience for me, but you could really learn about anything. Once you decide what you want to learn about, it can be helpful to understand the learning process first. So I want to talk a minute about independent learning and how it actually happens. And one thing I want to say is if you're going to attempt to learn things on your own, it's really important to discover which kind of learner you are. So in 1987, a guy named Neil Fleming, he invented what is called the VARC model. This is to help students determine the best way that they can learn so they can create awareness around what they need as learners and for teachers to create more learning inclusiveness in the classroom. But you can use this in your own learning experience. So there's four types of learners, and this is the acronym VARK. The first one is a visual learner. So if you're a visual learner, You're going to learn through diagrams and images and graphic organizers and videos, right? You're going to learn things visually. If you're an auditory learner, you're going to learn through listening and speaking through things. So that's going to be your in and out is listening and speaking. If you're a reading learner, you're going to learn through reading and writing. So reading is how you're going to get the information. Writing is how you're going to kind of express your learning on that one. And if you're a kinesthetic learner, which is basically touch and doing things, you're going to learn by seeing it done and then doing it yourself. In the show notes, you can take a quiz. It's 20 questions. It takes a couple of minutes. I did it myself. And it determines what your dominant learning style is. Now, the nice thing about this quiz is it gives you percentages. Like, okay, for me, I was a 60% visual learner. And I think I was like a a 20% kinesthetic learner and then um, 10% auditory, I think is my what my results were. And that information is really important because you need to learn how you effectively learn and understand information. Once you determine how you learn, it's time to decide on your learning venues. Now, when I say that, here's what I mean. If you're an auditory learner, don't jump in and try doing things first. Just find a a podcast or something to listen to. If you're a visual learner, then reading a blog might not be your best way to learn. So you should focus on your learning style, what is the best way for you to learn, and then make it easy on yourself. Remember, if you're learning something new, And I'm going to give you guys kind of like a goal, a little experiment I want you to do at the end of this episode. But if you are, if you're learning something new, you should make it fun for yourself. Don't make it something that's so hard that you kind of just tap out and decide, no, I'm not doing this. Decide on how you want to learn, what's your best way, and then go for that style. Don't waste your time on things that aren't your gig. Make it work for you. So here are some ideas for free resources for you guys on learning new information. YouTube is a huge one. It's my personal favorite. 
Google searches, blogs are huge. So, you know, you might be thinking like, oh my gosh, what blog? Come on. Okay. Well, when you do a Google search, you're going to see some things come up and some of those things might be blogs and you're going to find people who are passionate about certain things. They're going to have blog posts that have links to resources in them that they use. So maybe it's not necessarily the blog post itself that has tons of information in it. It might be more of a discussion starter or, you know, they're kind of honing in on a specific topic. But then they're going to give you resources that they used in their, their endeavor, whatever it is that they are doing or whatever their passion is. Blogs and podcasts, you guys. Podcasts are huge. And here I am on a podcast talking about podcasts. Find a podcast about a topic that you want to learn about. You'd be surprised how much you'll get out of it. Just learning in your passive time. Put your earbuds in, do the dishes, mow the lawn, whatever you got to do, commute to work, turn it on. But you're you're honing in on a topic that is something you want to learn about and you're going to gain from that because it's something that you're into. You can find books for cheap, you know, rent them from the library if you're a book person and you want to learn with books, but also eBay. I buy books from eBay all the time because a lot of them are like new or used and there's always like the little sub note like, hey, this might have marks in it or whatever. I'm telling you guys, most of the books that I've gotten from eBay are like in great shape. And you can get them so cheap. I just bought a book about tree houses the other day for $4. It's a hardback book and it's beautiful. I'm so excited to get it because I stayed in a tree house recently in Mohican and it was so awesome and I couldn't stop staring at the way that they built everything. And so I figured out who the architect was and I bought a book by him because I want to have some of those ideas in my mind for when I do certain projects in my house. How about the kinesthetic learners? I'm sure some of you are wondering like, well, if I'm a doer, how can I do this? And my suggestion would be to find cheap things like tools. If you're going to be building something, you know, just about anything you can find used and in pretty good shape on Facebook marketplace. I know Craigslist was sort of a thing back, you know, but not as popular anymore. If you don't have a Facebook, I think you might still be able to go on Facebook Marketplace. Maybe not. I could be wrong on that. But it's definitely an important place. Even if you just make a Facebook to use Facebook Marketplace, I'm telling you there's so much stuff on there I've bought used. Even my tools that I still use today, I bought like probably five years ago on Facebook Marketplace from this guy who lived in a big old house and his garage was immaculate. I asked him why he was getting rid of these awesome Milwaukee tools. And he was like, oh, I got a better set for my birthday. Cool, buddy. They're like in perfect shape and brand new, you know. So don't feel like you need to go to the store and like buy brand new anything. If you're learning, start with the basic stuff. Get yourself, get your hands on something that you can use and think of it as something fun that you're doing. It's it's super exciting. So now that we've talked about where and how you can learn, the question is like, well, where do you start? motivation. You know, how how do I get there where I I feel like I want to take the time out of my day to actually learn? Remember this, the things that you naturally gravitate to are your passions. Pay attention to your life. Motivation is key. I want you to be more present. If you can find joy in your life, you can also find passion. They are usually somehow related or exactly the same thing. So if you can pay attention to what brings you the most joy or what you find yourself in awe of, you're going to have some things that you'll want to learn about. For example, like if you're on social media, what things do you always stop and want to learn about? 
What do you look at? For me, it's art. Obviously, if someone's making something or building something, I'm stopping and I'm watching what's going on because I want to see what they're making. Could be cooking or it could be any interest. So I know I keep referring back to like building and making things because that's who I am. But for you, it could be something else. Like maybe you want to learn an instrument or, you know, you want to get better at cooking a certain type of cuisine or maybe you have no idea how to landscape and you just bought a house. So you're going to direct your time and your efforts in learning towards that topic. If you're not motivated to learn, it's probably not going to happen. So where do you find this motivation? I'm going to drop another name here for you guys. Malcolm Knowles, he in 1980 made four assumptions about the characteristics of adult learners. And the term he came up with for this is andragogy, which is basically just, you know, pedagogy is in the education world, like the education of students or children. And andragogy is adult education or adult learners. And in 1984, he added the fifth assumption. And we're going to kind of go over what those are. And basically what it means is that these aspects to being an adult learner can help you tap into your motivation to learn as an independent adult learner. So there are five, and I'm going to talk about them briefly. So the first one is your self-concept. You can find motivation in who you are. Who are you and who do you want to be? There could be motivation there for learning something. Your experience is is another one. So what experiences do you value most in your life? What experiences have made itself clear that uh, you'd like to do better or be better? Those experiences, whether good or bad, could be opportunities to find motivation to learn. Your social roles is another one. As you age, your learning is naturally going to cater towards your social and professional roles. So for example, for me, I'm a teacher. I'm an artist. So my motivation to learn is usually education related or building something, making something, creating something. For you, it might be different. Now, is this something that you have to learn about? Like, oh crap, well, what if I hate my job? No, 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 no. Don't take it so literally. These are just aspects of who we are as adults that you could possibly pull motivation to learn. So, so far we've got your self-concepts your experiences, and your social roles. The next one is problems versus subjects. So as an adult, the most effective learning comes from the way of problem-centeredness. And what I mean by that is generally as adults, we have problems and then we want to address them and fix them, right? We're going to come up with a solution. And that's going to result in the best learning of all if you can use some of that as motivation. What would you like to fix or improve in your life? That could be possibly motivation or your target for learning. As children, we have motivation that is generally rewards or grades or whatever. As adults, motivation comes from within. So that's the last and fifth one is your internal motivation. It's a must. You have to find that meaning within you to learn something new. As adults, we're more complex. And if you're not truly motivated, it's not going to happen. A question that I like is what is your why? So when you get up each day and you're feeling like you've got to do what you've got to do for the day, whatever that is, go to work, you know, do laundry, take the kids to the games, whatever. What is your why? Why do you feel like you have to do that thing? What meaning does it have for your life? What does it mean to you or your loved ones? That internal motivation can be a source of learning as well. So in the end, 
I want you guys to remember that learning is a process and that process becomes a mindset. It's going to become this way that you think. Like for me, I see the world in in terms of a learner all the time. I was just talking with a friend who I had not seen in a while and we were talking about life and she was asking me about how teaching was going this year with corona and all that stuff. And you know, I gave her some bits and pieces and then ultimately I said, you know, I think overall it's made me a better teacher because it's forced me to think outside of the box as far as my own teaching and being a teacher and how can I create something for my students that works for them. And she's kind of stopped me and she was like, that's really amazing that you see this experience in that way. You know, it's going to relate to your students and they're going to kind of catch that vibe from you. Whereas I don't think that all teachers feel that way. You know, a lot of people are focusing on the negatives. And it was just another moment in my life when I realized like, oh my gosh, I think I really am like a habitual learner. I don't even realize I'm doing it. It's just the way that I see the world. And I want you guys to kind of have some patience with yourselves as you work to become a, a lifelong learner. It takes time. It takes practice. But the more you can view life in terms of possible solutions and then pursuing those solutions, the more you will begin to learn and build that habit of seeing things as a learner overall. So my call to action for you guys after all is said and done is I want you guys to decide on one topic that you want to learn more about. Research it and come up with a way for you to cement your learning, whether it's, you know, implementing it into your day to day life, coming up with a little project or whatever you want to do. But I want you to decide on what it means to you and talk about it with your friends and family. Talk about what you're going to learn. Okay, it makes it more real. You'd be surprised how people will get excited for you when you're like, yeah, I just have this thing that I'm wanting to been learning about. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to pursue it. You're going to find fulfillment in the process. And afterwards, I want you to notice that feeling of accomplishment. It's a different kind. It's a different kind of feeling because you decided that you wanted to learn about that thing. I'm really excited for you guys to try this. It's something I do in my life all the time. And I think ultimately, if you can try it once, see how it goes and then try it again with something different. So before I let you go, I just want to relay a heartfelt thank you through the sound waves from my soul to yours. I really appreciate your time and I really hope you enjoy my podcast. If you loved what you've heard, please leave me a review and share this episode with someone that you feel may benefit. You can head over to floatonpodcast.com to add us on social media and see updates. Thanks again, guys. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon. Bye.